This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. I always love to win, but what I found is if you're part of a team that wins big, that puts you on a sustained path to long-term winning. And in this podcast, it's truly my pleasure and honor to have conversations with leaders from all walks of life and all over the world. And reason to me, what is important is each one of us are different. Our definition of win is different. Our starting point is different. And that's the reason these nuggets from all these different leaders are very important. And today, in that spirit, it's truly a pleasure and honor to have a conversation with Larry Zwing. Larry has had a very successful career leader in the, in the restaurant and hospitality space. But before I get into his other, you know, the roles and the big impacts he has had, I really think what is very important to look at is not only the business impact Larry Zwain has had, but the number of future leaders he has touched, inspired, and put them on the path to win big, because that contribution is absolutely incredible to look at. So some of the big previous roles where he had impact are managing partner of National Retail Concept Partners, LLC, Senior Vice President of Marketing at McDonald's, President and CEO of Boston Market, President and Chief Operating Officer of PepsiCo Restaurant Internationals, KFC Pizza, Taco Bell, outside the US, Board of Directors for Fats Cafe Enterprise, Milestone Partners and Pizza Fusion, Board of Advisors for Dartmouth, a tough school of business from 2002 to 2008. And if you look at this accomplishment, what is very important is a few things. One, the sustained impact at the highest level for the biggest of brands. And second, secondly, the global nature of the impact. Larry also has been recognized and some of the top recognitions are top 50 leaders, Nations Restaurant News, 1997. And Joe Lee, former chairman, CEO of Darden Restaurants, had said the following about Larry, intuitively understood the importance of customer satisfaction, team building, team leadership, and driving results. I also have to share that I met Larry Zwain when I was just an uh, infant, just learning to crawl in the corporate industry at pizza, uh, Corporate World in Pizza Hut. And Larry was the head big person super amazing human being running the whole California market. And me traveling just to meet Larry Zwain was making me getting very anxious. And one of the big things meeting Larry was very important to me to realize that even when somebody gets to that level of success, he's still a human being. What I still remember from my first day meeting Larry Zwain was I left by saying, wow, this is such a cool human being and brilliance has not made him arrogant at all. So Larry, I had to share this, get it out of the system before anything else. Larry, welcome to Secrets to Invic. Oh, wow. 
Well, I'm very proud to be here, Arjun. And uh, I remember meeting you too and thinking uh, you're one of the very high potential uh, uh, people that we love to uh, build and grow and evolve with us. And certainly uh, that uh, has happened. I'm glad I could touch you and be in, involved in even a little way. And uh, I'm uh, I thank you for recognizing that I'm a bit more humble than uh, everything that you that you said. And and at PepsiCo, if we want to, you know, one of the questions you had asked is, okay, what influence has PepsiCo had on my uh, either style of leadership or my uh, past? And really, the thing that got me the most is challenge of the future. Be a possibilitarian, mm -hmm. is what I called it. And that is that uh, basic principles are uh, raise your sights, see the possibilities, because they're always there. Mm -hmm. There are always possibilities there. You need to find the right ones and have the right mindset and avoid, stop the tyranny of incrementalism. Don't think in small, small things. And uh, one of the most influential leaders that I had uh, was at PepsiCo at the time, Roger Enrico. And uh, he and a group of leaders, including uh, uh, Steve Reinemond, uh, president of Pizza at the time, who was also a very influential uh, uh, influencer on me. Uh, we talked about making small changes to small things. Waste of time. The drug of gradualism is what we called it. And then, okay, small changes to big things. That's dangerous. It gives you the illusion of progress. An example I'll get to in a minute about Pizza Hut is what we called RBDs, restaurant-based delivery. And I'll get back to that in a second, why that was um, a small change to a very big opportunity. And then there are big changes to small things and they're great, just have to have a lot of them. And I'll get back to that as an example. I'll give an example of that too. And then big changes to big things. And that's a real business builder. And does it take risk? Of course. And uh, I'll get to this too, that you gotta have curiosity and you gotta ask questions and you gotta listen to what people say. Mm -hmm. And don't think, oh, I'm the leader, I'm a big deal. That the big deal are the people that you work with and get answers from and learn from. So uh, you know, the biggest example that I could give for big um, changes to big things is uh, Roger Enrico, uh, when it was develop a new language for change, Pepsi versus Coke. And in words, are important because words that can evoke action and passion for mm -hmm. not just a brand, but a life, a lifetime or lifestyle. You know, Pepsi Coke, uh, they were, uh, it was rather than a product, it mm -hmm. was to talk about just like we said, making it uh, uh, Pepsi distinct from Coke in the Cola Wars and, uh, you know, take a stand with the young side of the new generation, the Pepsi, the uh, 60s era. And so if you're a Pepsi person, what uh, Roger said to me is if you're a Pepsi person, you're young, come alive, you're in the Pepsi generation. And that lasted from 1963 to 1968. And uh, instead of, you know, another thing he said, instead of exciting 
virtues of the product create excitement among the consumers of the product mm -hmm. and audacity of naming a uh, generation after the product, the Pepsi generation. Uh, and they poured put, you know, Pepsi in ads that was, they, they were the youthful upstart and they challenged Coke, the biggest player in the game. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was catch the Pepsi spirit, drink it in, and the commercials were award-winning, just fabulous commercials. But it wasn't just the ads. It evoked the action and the passion of the people at Pepsi. And yes, the generation, yes, the customers, but also the people within the organization to grow. And it best exploded the, uh, uh, the orthodoxies of Pepsi. And okay, we're always gonna be number two to Coke. And, uh, you know, it, it was a big deal. Sweet, what I really like is, you know, what you shared is the possibilities are always there. It's all about us pausing and seeing, and that was the huge, big insight. And the second part also is about prioritizing and being patient, because it's very easy, as you mentioned, you know, quoting Roger Enrico, is it's very easy to right away jump into the small changes to small things, or even a small micro change to a big thing. But it takes the patience to find the big changes to the big things, because otherwise in the corporate world, we get into, as you said, love that phrase, the drug of gradualism, or take the first possible left turn right away in the first thing. So it's all about doing few things, and that's the part where that patient of big changes to big things and showing the example, not just of the PepsiCo restaurants, but Pepsi as a brand and how it played out, that's huge. So now from there, now Larry, if we move to McDonald's, okay? at McDonald's you had, you know, the brand was already very successful. You had all the resources on the planet, but then what's the challenge? Like to me, sometimes having everything has its own challenges. So what were some of the challenges of leading a big brand with obscene amount of resources to the next level of success? Uh, thanks, Arjun. It's um, uh, I could give another example of uh, making big, uh, uh, big change to small things and how you need a whole lot of them. And I could talk about that, about uh, uh, restaurant delivery at uh, Pizza. But Mexico, I'm sorry, Mexico. I was thinking of something we did in Mexico. But McDonald's, uh, it's really what we had to look at were the uh, uh, interdependency of the functions and the transparency that you've got to have from the functions of uh, operations, marketing, uh, distribution, franchise, uh, suppliers, and think about, okay, we're, inter we're multi-functional interdependent. We can't, none of us can work on our own. And oftentimes there, when, when I was there, it was everybody was off on their own. You had the marketing department over there and you had the finance over there and they had their own objectives, their own goals. And it really wasn't integrated. Mm -hmm. And not only the functions, but the suppliers. And what we did with suppliers is we said, okay, we've got a few very good suppliers in uh, a few of our, in, in our big products. And so how do we make our suppliers feel that they don't, that, that they are with us? 
that they are part of our team. And uh, because, you know, McDonald's, um, you know, uh, in the U.S., uh, it's about, uh, think of it at the grocery store, they're about $5 billion a year, more than that now, uh, food and packaging. $5 billion a year just for McDonald's. And they're about uh, seven, uh, about 3.2 billion pounds of potatoes, seven percent of the entire potato supply, and in the U.S. And they train more people than the U.S. Army every year. So it is a gi gigantic thing. Now, in terms of how we take that, another way to look at it too is, uh, I won. Uh, I was responsible for a department, our marketing department. We won uh, FU awards for uh, did somebody say McDonald's campaign, but the biggest thing that you know what's the difference you can make in a large corporation I think is what you're trying to get at, and that is uh, we took a look at okay yeah we can win awards and I would give it a, a presentation and show all these great ads and get tears in your eye and laugh on your face, and uh, I'd say uh, we won such an award to get a standing ovation from a few thousand franchisees. And I say, where's the brand? And uh, they would say, oh, yeah. I said, no, this isn't the brand. The brand is in the stores. It's in the McDonald's restaurants. And when a customer opens the door and crosses the threshold and walks in, that's the brand. And they look around. It's not just what's on the walls or on the menu or even the food and the products and the cleanliness of the bathrooms. It's the people. <laughs> you gotta have really good people right there in the store. And so people say, oh, the most important impression is the first impression when they open the door and they walk in. No, it isn't. The most important impression is when they walk out. What do they really think of the experience that they just had? Because it isn't just a product, it's a whole experience. Now that's the inside, but it goes as well for the drive-through, just a different story. But I think you know what I mean is, you know, what's the excitement? What's the passion? You know, customer satisfaction is nice. Customer excitement is really what you want. And you want that passion and excitement for your employees as well. In the restaurant business, I, I helped start a restaurant in 1976 and it's still there. It's Jesse's Restaurant on Route 120 in Hanover, New Hampshire, a mile from Dartmouth. And uh, that's how I think I got into the grad schools because all the professors came in. And what we had was uh, we wanted to create excitement. And what we had was uh, we didn't take any reservations. It was a steak and seafood place with a salad bar in those days was popular. And uh, we didn't take reservations. So, you know, we had long lines. So you go in the bar, and that's where we made all our money. You go in the bar and make drinks, and the, and the margins on those are terrific. But we did have a red phone and Arjun, I'm not gonna give you the phone number. It's a secret, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> but it was a red phone and uh, nobody had this number. You can't tell anyone. You have this phone number, it blows the whole thing. But you call us on that number, we answer the phone and Arjun, we know you're coming. We know you'll be there at seven o'clock. Don't worry, go in the bar, have a drink and then uh, we'll get you in ahead of uh, some other people. Well, that's like a reservation and it does get you in, it makes you feel extra special, extra good. We're a little place. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, <laughs> but uh, it's still there. It's, uh, it's doing mighty well. So anyway, sorry so, for the story. No, 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 I love these stories because to me, you know, there are tons and tons of books written on branding. Okay? And 
most of us, including me, kept keep saying that branding is everything, everything is branding. But coming from you who have created and been part of some of the biggest brand evolutions, development positionings, that one question I really think resonated so strongly with me is where is the brand? Okay. The brand is not in a book. The brand is not in a PowerPoint. The brand, as you said, is in the store with the people. And then what I really, really hit home is how you differentiated between customer set. Yes, we have to be in the business of customer set, but we have to be in the business of customer excitement. And that's the part where what that person, the guest feels when they leave, that is the impetus of coming back. So if I digress a little bit, when I wrote the book, Customer Karma, I compared everything to dating. So Larry, just visualize for a second, if I was single and you just being an amazing well-wisher and a kind friend introduced me to this person. We go on a first date. Of course, there's first impression. But think, at the end of a date, with that amazing human being sitting in front of me, both she and I have to decide and put each other in one of three buckets. She may decide, even if Arjun is the last man on this planet, I don't want to have anything to do with Arjun. <laughs> or Arjun's really cool, love that. And you know, we could watch a movie together, play golf together, or in between extra movie tickets, Arjun is the okay guy. But think, in a date, the decision happens right in front. The same way, what you said triggered home this point that I just have been you know, really living with is that customer excitement that you talked about, that every guest, whatever business you are, before they leave, just like in a date, sitting in front of you decides the future of the relationship and what do we do to influence? Because to me, I really think those are two amazing, amazing nuggets for all of us is where is the brand? It's not in the PowerPoint. It is with the people. Secondly, customer excitement when they leave is, I feel, as you said, is the leading indicator of long-term business success. And that red phone example was simply priceless. Okay. So... Larry, you know, a leader, especially when you play at the highest level with big brands, it's not always driving on a freeway with no traffic, beautiful weather. There are challenges. What are some of the big challenges that you've overcome? How did you overcome? Because, you know, to me, you're, it's like what every person I talk to, I talk to quite a few people about you, what they described you as rock solid human being, calm as a cucumber in a crisis and always putting the team first. And of course you are great at what you do but people always refer to Larry the human being and that's the reason I really want to understand how did you absorb the challenges and how do you overcome challenges? Uh Great. I, I love you, Arjun. I mean, that's a great question. And uh, thanks for the compliments as well. But uh, to me, it's, you got to see the opportunity. It's right there. The possibilities are in front of you. As an example, go back to Pizza Hut. And uh, I was the head of, I was the head of national marketing. And um, 
you know, we started the Pizza Hut Express uh, with pan pizza. We started uh, uh, Pears Pizza too for a single price because we're competing with uh, Little Caesars. So we had all this competition going. And who was beating us? Uh, Domino's was growing very fast. We figured, ah, Domino's, who are they? They're not very good. And then as they grew, we said, hmm, maybe there is something here that we're not seeing. But hey, we've got thousands of these little red roof restaurants. Let's just deliver out of them. Mm -hmm. And so that was going on. And we were watching Domino's and there were a group of us who said, wait a second, there really is something here in these uh, 1,200, 1,500 square foot uh, restaurants that are just, you know, uh, you know, half a million dollars each in terms of, uh, of revenues at the time. And so there was a group of us who, I, I was given the assignment of Larry, the Western division is, is in chaos, it's terrible. And uh, we need somebody to go up there. And, and Steve Reinemann was the president. He knew that I wanted to run something. It wasn't just uh, national marketing is great and influencing, but I want to really build something. And he knew it. So he said, well, uh, for Reinemann, I can't look bad because I sent Larry out there. And if he flops, well, West is a flop anyway, so he doesn't hurt us. But suppose he, suppose it really works. And what I, what we did was the first thing we did is we got out there and uh, I, well, first I surrounded myself with people who were better at their functions than I was. I have very good operations person, very good finance person, very good um, uh, human resources, good marketing. And they were all what I call the very high potential people at, that we had at Pizza Hut PepsiCo. And what are very high potential? Well, the character traits that they have is they gotta, you gotta build and evolve a team and you gotta have a can-do attitude, a willingness to lead and to learn, uh, a desire to run something, the kind of self-confidence and optimism that can be contagious and energized in a way that's contagious too. So we're a group of people, yes, damn it, we all want to do something, all can do it better. And I had the idea, well, suppose we make that, we don't have that many pizzas in the West. So this restaurant-based delivery, uh, what are our trader as we deliver 20 minutes uh, around us? That'd be crazy. So what we did is we found this uh, donut chain, Winchell's Donuts, little 1200 square foot locations with uh, all over the LA, area uh, up and down the California coast and Domino's was just coming to California at the time and they had about 200 stores ahead of us and uh, so we figured okay let's buy those we bought Winchell's Donuts and we began converting them very quickly Domino's didn't know what hit them now part of what we did is we had uh, we had established a point of view our team did we said we want to be the first choice in every location First choice, not just for the pizza and people who want pizza versus some other pizza. First choice for the employees that we don't want them to go to Domino's, uh, Papa John's. We don't want them to go to another pizza place or McDonald's or anybody else, uh, In-N-Out Burger. We want them to come to us. And how do we do that? Well, with delivery drivers, we had we delivered we did smaller trade areas so that they could make more deliveries at peak hour and make better tips, make more money. They loved us. So because the employees loved us, we were able to get with uh, uh, the community to really have community involvement and more pizza. And, and so we basically took the losing 
division where I got, you know, I had the West, not just California, but the whole West. And uh, we took it from about 100 million in sales to 300 million from losing money to making more than any other division. And the other division managers were looking around and say, how the hell did he do this? Well, it wasn't me. I surrounded myself with a group of people who we were able to work together. And yeah, we had a few home runs. We made some big mistakes. We uh, had some franchisees that didn't work, but we had many who did join us. So anyway, a little bit of a long story, but um, love that. Fun. And first of all, I just want to correct myself exactly. You know, to me, nostalgia sometimes, you know, I'm getting old, I forget. It was the Western division and, you know, when you talk about surrounding yourself with people, the proof of talent in that team is how every member of the team went on to be amazing leaders, both functionally and human beings in the restaurant industry and beyond. And, you know, I also love the fact, Larry, when I asked you this question, you took me back to that simple answer that you said at the very beginning, urgent possibilities are everywhere, see this. And I was going back down the memory lane on two things you helped me see. And again, it's really long time back, 1995. One of the things was as Little Caesars was, you know, growing, we had this tendency, little arrogance at Pizza Hut to discount them. There's a piece of wisdom you gave me was saying, Arjun, just think from a Little Caesars customer. Once that's all you order and you don't order two different kinds of pizzas, find out what they like because that becomes their favorite pizza because that's the only pizza they are ordering. And that to me was a very huge eye opener as I started looking at, you know, at Little Caesars as we start going through. The second part was to get an understanding of total experience, because that's the part where as we were getting into delivery or anywhere, what you had talked about was, and it was an incredible one-liner and if you forget that you told me that, I'm taking credit, but it came from you. You told me happier employees create happier experience. Okay? And I'm really glad today you touched on being the number one choice for team members, how the Western division looked at, you know, the changing the business so every delivery driver can win. I really think that itself is such a priceless concept. And again, you know, Thank you for those wisdoms and thank you for being consistent all these years to focus on people first. So Larry, if you did not get into a career of restaurants or hospitality, what would Larry Zwain would have done? Just a goofy question, just wanted to you know, try to stump you. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what would I have done? I, uh... I would, like I said, opportunities. I would look at uh, the opportunity gaps. Mm -hmm. Where's where's an opportunity, and what do I need to uh, uh, to do to find one, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know make something uh, relevant. And mm -hmm. it's got to be you know something I I did at McDonald's or we did at McDonald's because we tried to make it our commercials to be timely and mm -hmm. timeless at the same time. Mm -hmm. Relevance, 
And so to do something and to have a big idea, well, you know, you think about it, the best ideas today were invented 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say 25 or more. And they were thinking about, let me create the future. And as an example of that, there was a guy I know who read, uh, he read a report uh, in 1994 that said that, you know, the, uh, uh, the internet, the web is gonna have, uh, is gonna grow 2,300% in terms of commerce over the web. It's gonna happen. Question is when it'll happen. And so as an example, that's one way of thinking about, okay, this isn't a 10% better uh, idea. This isn't a 200% better idea. This is a 2,300% better idea. Now, who knows how long it'll take to happen? Well, this guy, uh, he read that report and then he said, hmm, okay, let me start selling some books. And uh, he did, he had uh, $20,000 a week in sales of books in 50 states and 45 countries. He got off to an okay start and began growing and growing. And in 1994, uh, he started. By 2001, he had a billion dollars in sales and revenues all over the internet. And you know what he was making? It was the first quarter, fourth quarter of 2001 that he made any money. And it was, you know how much? One penny per share of stock. Hmm. And yet he was absolutely passionate about, now it's not just books. He tried to get into publishing and all that. And he said, it wasn't just books. Um, there's, there's an unconventional business model here. And he began selling lots more stuff. And in short, it's about $250 billion in annual income today or annual sales today. And about, uh, what is it, 100 or uh, 50, I'm sorry, 15 billion or more in uh, net operating profit today. Oh, that's Amazon, by the way. And so when Bezos started this, he was a he was a financial analyst for a Wall Street company, and but he saw an opportunity and he made it work. We could talk about a lot of others, but that's a good example to me. Now, would I have been Bezos? I don't know. But you never know. You never know. But to me, I really love that about opportunity finder. So you're listening to this fascinating conversation with Larry Zwain in Secrets to Win Big with Arjun. Today, Larry, a career leader in restaurant hospitality space who has held major leadership roles at McDonald's, Boston Market, PepsiCo Restaurants International, both domestically and worldwide. It's a very simple conversation, you know, and that's the part where for any one of us who are building our career, evolving, it's not some very complicated formula. What Larry is talking about, see the possibilities. Work on big changes to big things. Don't get tempted to make small changes to small things and try to do a lot of those. He's also talking about brand. Brand is with people. He's talking about important of the customer experience, but at the same time, more than satisfaction, it's about the customer excitement. And then surrounding yourself with future stars people who are amazing, but what was connecting the commonality between all these people are the can-do attitude. Simply a fascinating conversation. So Larry, this last part is about rapid questions, short three to seven answers. So 
somebody who is on the run can listen to this section in three to five minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So now going beyond restaurants and hospitality, you would have been a successful leader in any walk of life. What's your one advice to anybody in any business to be a successful leader? Uh, to be a successful leader, um, look at the opportunity gap versus the performance gap. Of right is right in front of you, and uh, that's what I meant about like um, the job of senior management. Too often is we you do have to manage the present. Got it. Today, the gap between opportunity gap and performance gap. Yes. How and, do you Sorry, go ahead, please. Well, it, often what people too often people leaders are wrapped up in the present mm -hmm. in the this is the way we do things so it's the right way to do things and you got to selectively forget the past some yeah. of those orthodoxies and you got to be curious about okay what is happening you got to ask and you got to listen to what's happening around you and then create the future and the creating the future is uh, be competitive for the long run. Yeah. So again, this section, so people can listen to the whole section in th less than five minutes. In three to eight words, what is the one reason businesses fail to win big? One, I'm sorry, say that again, please. One, one reason, reason why businesses fail to win big. Uh, I think they get caught up in, uh, in, the, in the present. They don't think about the future. It's right in front of you. Love that. Caught up in the present and not look at the future, which is right in front. So most leaders completely rule out some obstacles from their mind. You know, top athletes I worked with, they literally removed the word no from their dictionary. What's a word not in Larry Zwain's dictionary? Impossible. Everything is either known or knowable. Go find out. Love that. Everything is either known or knowable. Go find out. It's there somewhere. Larry, on a personal note, I just thank you for sharing these amazing nuggets. Okay. This is these are brilliant. Okay. So now with all your wisdom, Larry from 2020 goes back and meets that young kid. Okay. Just graduating from high school. What would be one advice you will give that kiddo? Uh, well, if it were me going back uh, to when I graduated from grad school from 2020 to 1980, it would, it would be that environment that there's an existential threat to our planet. Mm -hmm. uh, we're destroying the planet and it's right in front of us. And maybe in 1980, I would have thought, okay, LA, yes, smog, and it's getting better, and cars are having you know, less uh, lead in the gas, and we're making some big changes. Well, no, the temperature of the world keeps going up, and it's going up even more. So what I mean by that is, okay, there are big opportunities there to correct this problem and correct it faster. Tesla is one small example of one that is working on a very big opportunity, and that is uh, electric cars get rid of the carbon footprint, mm -hmm. but that can't, they can't be alone in doing that. That's got to be a worldwide um, uh, effort. Okay. So Larry, you know, to have 
a whole series of back-to-back -back success for major brands, it cannot be random. There has to be a process, okay? The process of consistency. And what I also find with leaders like you who play at the highest level is success that is planned can be repeated because random success is a one-time fluke. So is there a ritual? Like first thing Larry does or last thing when you finish your day that you want to share about your life? Well, personally, it is that uh, I've, I've had a successful career and I'm very, very happy, but I moved a lot of places in order to do that. And I have five kids. So they went to different schools, different high schools in different cities with different friends. And that is something that I thought about every day when I woke up and went to sleep was I would certainly do the business all day long, but the first thing I would have in my mind is, okay, how are they doing with where they are? And I was, you know, in international, I was gone a lot mm -hmm. and for long periods of time. And so that was the personal thing that I would think about all the time. Now, if on the business side, it was, how is the, the number one thing to me is the team and are not just the team that surrounds me. So as an example, at uh, PepsiCo Restaurants International, we had a big office with a lot of infrastructure all in the headquarters. Mm -hmm. And what I did, my guys I had with me did way a timeout. Our business is way all over the world. Why have them all come back to, uh, uh, to uh, Kentucky or to Louisville for a meeting? Let's take not us go all of us and move around and leave our uh, headquarters people headquarters. Let's take the headquarters people and put them out in the field, get them out of here mm -hmm. so that there would be five or six of us who would have the office and we would go around the world and we'd have a few ideas that we would bring to the field, but that's the, that's always a dilemma. If there was one thing that I saw in multiple roles, it's headquarters field dilemma. Mm -hmm. How does, you know, the headquarters does have to have uh, big things that we say, here's what we want to accomplish for this year. And not just for three years, but let's say for the next 10. And I could give an example of that too, was that uh, this is a PepsiCo uh, pizza and uh, KFC restaurants international Taco Bell. And, um, uh, and we were at PepsiCo and they wanted us to go to Europe. McDonald's is doing great in Europe, follow them, do what McDonald's doing, just like we do in the United States. And because they wanted, they couldn't get anybody to put Pepsi in their restaurants. So they needed a leader to be able to, so they have fountain beverage in the restaurants. They didn't have much. So that's why they wanted us to do that. So we said, oh, timeout. We studied McDonald's a lot. And by studying them, we found out where isn't, where McDonald's isn't. Well, they really weren't in Southeast Asia. They were in Japan, but not much else in Southeast Asia. So today, in South, so we started in China and Japan, and we started in all of Southeast Asia. They weren't there, partly because, you know, there was, you know, how many, um, uh, how many cows do you see in Southeast Asia for uh, milk, for cheese? How much, um, of beef is eaten, not none. 
And so they do eat chicken and they do eat fish. So, huh, this would be a great idea for KFC. So we did KFC. Well, today, McDonald's, there are 38,000 McDonald's worldwide, 23,000 KFCs worldwide. They're both successful corporations. But in Southeast Asia, there's 2,000 KFCs and 1,000 McDonald's, two to one. Now, if you add China and Japan in for both, they're even, seven to seven, about 7,000, seven and a half thousand each. And that's just remarkable what we did in Southeast Asia. We did it very quickly. So we didn't follow the rules of the road. We made our own rules. So Larry, this is a fascinating conversation. Truly appreciate you taking the time before we finish the conversation. Anything else you would love to add? Um, I guess uh, something that you've uh, asked before, what's a myth uh, in, um, in leadership? And to me, it's, uh, we've talked about that before, about leaders uh, aren't born, uh, they're made. It's through a lot of hard work. But it's also that oftentimes curiosity is an annoyance. Mm -hmm. That is an absolute myth. Curiosity is a driver of success and influence and innovation. Ask questions, listen. I can give you an example of that uh, in uh, Korea, in uh, Southeast Asia, Korea. We, were, we weren't getting off to a great start. We, they wanted delivery. We couldn't really deliver well. And we couldn't figure out why. We did, we did a lot of research on it and we paid a lot of money for a lot of big companies, a lot of advertising agencies, a lot of blah, blah stuff. What we didn't do is talk to our own employees. When we talked to our own employees, they were scared at first and gave us, they said, well, geez, you know, you're big shots. And, and we were in the room with them. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. a focus group. We were asking them, what do you think we can do better? And the one person who came up with an idea that made everybody else talk and say, yes, that really is it, is that we delivered Pizza Hut pizza in a brown box. Well, in short, in Korea, a brown box is garbage. It's like you're delivering garbage. So what we did was we turned it into a white box with a red ribbon and we're delivering a present. Business took off and we did a lot better. So it's listening to people, being curious to be innovative. Love that. And also leaders are not just born, they develop and evolve. So Larry, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for sharing. And this is really fascinating. Uh, a great conversation and some of the insights I would again hit back is see the possibilities because possibilities are everywhere. Some see and most don't and that's the separation. Second is as Larry talked about surround yourself with amazing human beings who are future leaders. Each one of them are rock stars in their career but they all are connected by the common cause, common vision and all have the can-do attitude. And I really think that's the part where what was very important was the true confidence of a leader like Larry is to hire people who are smarter than him in those functional areas, because that just raises the whole team. And again, I would go back to the two insights. One is on brand. Brand is created in the mind of the customer, in the store, in every interaction experience point. And then the whole thing about creating that customer experience at the end of an experience. Again, Larry, truly appreciate. You know, thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun. 
please subscribe, share, and review the podcast with your friends. Happy listening. And again, thank you, Larry Zwang. Thank you, Arjun. I love you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.